This podcast is brought to you by UK Coaching, here for the coach. Visit ukcoaching.org to grow your coaching skills and be part of the community. Hello and welcome to the first Coach Development Conversation of 2021. In this conversation, I have the absolute honour of talking to adventurer, professional mountaineer, climber and truly inspirational and humble human being, Paul Pritchard. This conversation is mostly about understanding ourselves, about motivation, passion, risk and reward, and how meaningful, powerful and influential sports and activity can be to people, regardless of the level of engagement and participation. Listening to Paul always makes me smile and always leaves me feeling so inspired. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I had being part of it. Hello and welcome to another UK coaching podcast and this time I am going to be exploring a little bit of um, oh be sort of becoming skillful within a sport that's not coached so we're going to talk to um, a climber who I've known for many many years um, and uh, there's two sides to this because um, my, my guest today Paul Pritchard who I'm going to get to to give us a little um, or a, a good intro to himself in a, in a minute, um, suffered an, a head injury and has then had to um, re, re-learn to, to move, basically. And so has, has had an opportunity to um, have experience of two very different worlds in terms of um, activity and being an adventurer and becoming skillful. And um, I'm going to let Paul introduce himself. So firstly, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us today, Paul. I am so delighted. Um, and yeah, so uh, take your time and give us um, a little bit of background. Well, thanks a lot, Marianne. And it's really good to see you um, after all these years. Um, so, yeah, my name is Paul Pritchard. I'm, I, um, I was a professional mountaineer, I, I, you know, I climbed in some of the world's most remote and wild places, really, from, you know, um, Patagonia in South America to the Arctic and um, the Himalayas in India, Pakistan. Um, and then all that ch- changed 22 years ago now when, when a... And a, a bloody big rock landed on my head and, and I smashed a hole in my skull. Um, I had to reinvent myself, um, more of that later, I guess. But um, I, I'm now a, what would you call me? I guess I'm a motivational speaker, really, and a, and a, and a writer. Um, I'm going to speak with a bit of a difference though because I don't what what people hear from me is not really a clear message it's, um, it, but but it, I, I do I think I, I do get that in the end and it's um, and it's quite a it's quite a powerful message I think um What else is there to to say? Well, I guess, I guess just a, a bit of a caveat. I I know I, because of my head injury, my brain injury, um, I I've now got memory problems and word finding problems. So I'm a bit slow. Probably fifty percent of of the of um of the speed, the mental processing speed of of other people. Um, but but I am um, I'm just as intelligent as I ever was, which wasn't isn't very. <laughs> um, I think that's about, about it for me. <laughs> and and as modest as always, because you you were a you know a very very um, successful writer before you had your accident and are again now. So um, and and. You know the the beauty of your writing would 
we're definitely um uh, we're definitely not fit with your with your uh, your utter modesty or or anything else you've done actually paul so um what i would like to start actually just very briefly and it's very briefly about your your early years as a climber and when i first met you which must be over 30 years ago which is making me feel very old (laughs) amazing i know it's incredible isn't it and you know you're so i'm sort of very interested in you know how we become skillful and, and what it is within that and you you were um you know a very um a very skillful rock climber as well as mountaineer and um yeah you were part of a community and it would just be nice maybe if you could to to talk a little bit about how you got into climbing and how you became a good climber because this isn't a you go to a club and you get coached sport and certainly not then no. was it? and it was no, very social learning yeah um well i guess i found climbing i was i was actually born on top of a quarry where and so i i used to see the climbers um daily basically but and but I didn't really under understand anything about about rock climbing. Um, and you know what? I was rubbish at everything at school. I was rubbish academically. I was rubbish at sport, and I, and I used to vomit when I, whenever I went on a cross country run. And um, and then one one day, my my teacher said that said that he would take he was a physics teacher and he said that he would he would take me and and a group of lads actually um i don't think i don't think that girls were allowed at that point, at that time i'm not sure um but unless they just didn't want to go i'm not sure but um um and I just wanted to go because it was it was in the quarry that was that I was born on top of, so I so I, um, it it would it's, it would have been close to my home and um, and I found that I was just really good at at climbing and and uh, and I was good at something for the first time in my life and it wasn't long before I moved down to Clamberis in North Wales where I met you and. Um, I mean, that was probably about when I was about 17 or 18, 18 probably. Um, and and um, I never looked back. I never looked back. I mean, Flamberis, what a place, just what a community, eh? And so I just found my people and, and I, found my, I found my... It's not really a sport, is it? And I don't know what you call it. It's more like poetry or or or, or um or music and dancing, really climbing. Yeah, I wouldn't even call it a lifestyle. It's just a, it's just a beautiful thing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, gorgeous, um, gorgeous description there. Actually, I, I it is so hard to describe, isn't it? And I think you know, I feel the same. Not not. Uh, of climbing when it's good <laughs> and I'm not yeah. as good so sometimes yeah. it's not like poetry of surfing when that's good of my riding yeah, yeah. and then you yeah. just well, I can't describe this because it's it, it's such a different experience it's so powerful yeah yeah uh, um and you um so you were climbing within a community weren't you so all of you um you know, doing doing yeah. stuff together and learning together. Yeah, and this was in the eighties, wasn't it? And there was so many people unemployed, millions and millions. Of, and and uh, and so, um, won't go into um, into the into being on the door really. But but I mean, I think that Thatcher really actually un- unbeknownst gave people an opportunity to excel and i think there's actually quite a lot of sports people that that un- 
like cyclists and stuff in in it that that rose to to um you know expertise in under the in the thatcher years as well um and and so i just used to go climbing every day um on on sea cliffs and mountains and in and, and and quarry faces didn't didn't we and, and um i mean just and you couldn't fail but to but to get good really 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 quite quickly in 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 that kind of circumstance i think yeah well if you if you if you if you were dedicated yeah yeah, yeah i was gonna say it's um those who really um uh, embrace the opportunity they had to spend all that time and it was like a hot house then wasn't it because there were so many oh, yeah. um passionate and and brilliant climbers and you just all you just see that you would all be oh, yeah. together yeah um and uh and then obviously that it must have been um it would be interesting to hear from you because i i you know i see um a lot of the pictures of the old magazines there and you're on the front cover of loads and on the front cover of all the spon- you know, the rock climbing kit sponsors in your, for anyone who doesn't know, Paul, I might have to pop a few pictures here. One, there's an amazing one of your head injury if we can. And, and the, oh, yeah. um, we all had, including me, who wasn't a very good climber, you know, you, you had your, your ballet tights. I mean, I remember having black and white stripes. Yeah. I remember your, um, ah, uh, were they, they were like, um, cheetah was it like <laughs> big cat prints <laughs> oh, oh yeah 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 the leopard print <laughs> that was it the leopard prints yeah and various, various other yeah so yeah. um it would be it would be interesting just to quickly chat about how how was that because it was like real juxtaposition wasn't it to the the sort of um rebellious independence just being with your mates climbing type scene and then you've got this, you know, you're like a rock god, basically. <laughs> For some people, and on the magazines, and um, how how was that? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I I I I think it all just washed over me. I mean, I I did I did know um, if a couple of people that that kind of um got really into it like Andy Pollitt or something, you know, but but um but um but apart from apart from just going down to the local to Pete's Eats, the local calf and and um and you know people people kind of staring at you and stuff. It it it, it, it there was nothing there was not nothing just the young climbers, you know. Um, there, was, there wasn't really any any other um, aspect of it, no. Um, but then it wasn't long, really. I was, I think it was 1991, and I moved to Clamberis in 85. Um, 1991, I started, I started mountaineering because Joe Brown, and Mo Antoine asked, asked, asked us to. If, well, for anyone that doesn't know Joe Brown, he's like the kind of he was the grand doyen of kind of climbing money, you know. Um, and and um, I couldn't say no to that, and 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 um, and he got me off on on this trajectory then of, of going to the Himalayas and, and, the, and, um, you know, the greater ranges. Yeah. Um, and, and I, but I, and then I only did that for seven years before, before I had this almighty rock on my head. Mm. so you um you you 
started doing some sort of bigger expeditions and mountaineering rather than just the the rock climbing and uh and you'd also written a book uh, tell me a little bit yeah. about the uh, just briefly the name because i i was always fascinated at the name so the book's called deep play mm-hmm. and i remember thinking oh that's a really good way to describe practice but it actually already has a meaning that's quite dark isn't it it is yeah it was it was coined by a philosopher called jeremy bentham in what the 18th century i think um and it was for he he was a he was fascinated by kind of law and criminal activity and and it and and he He said that there will all, no matter how much you punish people, there will there'll always be they'll always return to to some kind of criminal activity, you know. So that so so then so um, so that that's where I got that that um name from because it's perfect for for climbing you know if, if you think about risk so whether you whether you find someone or put them to death um you're still gonna you're still gonna risk you're still gonna risk your your, your life because a lot of the things that i was doing in you you could die on them very very easily and that was one of the things that I was most well known for was the fact that I, that um, seems like you know I was I was um, one of a handful, a small handful of 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 kind of climbers doing what we what were then called chop routes. So so where were you? If you if you did fall from like thirty meters and you you just you just you just um, obliterate yourself, you know, and you were hanging on, you were hanging on with your fingertips, kind of um, doing really gymnastic moves, you know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's um, that's. Uh... I mean, I know it's been used in in other in other areas, like maybe you know, sort of gambling and stuff. But in sports, but that idea that yeah. you know, yeah. the you you accept the risk because you know, even though what you're doing could be damaging, it's just it's too engaging, deeply engaging. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I so so I wrote that before <clears throat> before my accident, um, and that's a collection of. One of the ways that you could make money back then climbing, because there's not, it wasn't very much money that you could. It, it wasn't like now with, with with all these professional climbers. In the eighties, it was it, you had to, you were just scraping a living, and and um, one of the one of the ways was to was to write about your your adventures, and so I. I was, I was, a columnist in in lots of magazines and stuff, and and um, and Deep Play is a collection, a collection of articles and, and essays of 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 my climbing life. Mm. And uh, which brings us nicely on, I think, to uh, to that second part of your life. Well, like you say, you sort of, um, I know I've heard you sometimes describe that you were re, sort of reborn almost. So you had to. Um, yeah, it was, no, it was my second life. Your second definitely. life. <laughs> yeah, I did know. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So give us a, just a little shot. I know you probably, yeah. this, I, this is only for the story because um, I know you, you probably. Oh, would, no, it's, it, it's an important part of the story, though, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah. So, so you'd gone on an on an expedition with Celia, uh, your partner at the time, um, and uh, and I'll let you I'll let you tell us that bit of the story. All right. Well, 
you know, um, yeah. When when I wrote Deep Play, I, I, I won I won the I won the Bowman Tasker Award, which is an award for mountain literature. But that with that prize money, I went I, I bought a round the world ticket for me and my and my partner Celia Bull, and we and so after after climbing after climbing um. On, on Borneo um, and some climbing in Malaysia, we found ourselves we, we found ourselves uh, in Tasmania at this at, at this um, incredible spire of rock that sticks out of the sea. It's the most slender piece of rock in the world in the world, like a sea stack in the world. It's um. um it's four meters wide and sixty-five meters tall. It's so slender that it, it sways sometimes when, when in a stiff wind when you're on top of it. And um, um, and it was whilst climbing that that that, that a rock about the size of a laptop computer side kind of scythed into my skull from from thirty meters and um left me left me upside down on the rope only a meter from the ocean level um, Celia, who was above me she she was bringing me up she um she descended down to me, um, abseiled down to me, and got me upright in slings. But I mean, there's, I'm, there's blood pissing out of my head, you know. And um, and um, she 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 said that I remember her saying, "Oh, you've taken a little rock on your head, but you've had worse." And then she put, she got, she managed to get me upright in the slings. Um, she put her helmet on me. I wasn't wearing a helmet at the time. Um, more about that later if you want. Um, I then she had to climb back up to the ledge, and then she hauled me thirty meters on a single nine millimeter rope um, up up to the up to the ledge. It's like one of the most remarkable rescues in in mountaineering history, really. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. Um, and and she then made me safe on this ledge, halfway up this up this um, up this swaying pillar of rock that. Um, you might have to show a picture of, of the totem pole if you want. If um, I will. If you can, if you can give some pictures, yeah. it would be great. Because yeah. I mean, having spent years in mountain rescue, I am still so astounded at what she managed to achieve that day. It was incredible. I know. So then she made me safe. Um, then she had to get herself off the totem pole run eight kilometers for help back to the campsites in the days before mobile phones or anything like that, you know, so, um, and, and she then, she called the rescue. I was on the, that ledge then for a further seven hours. I lost, lost half my blood. Um, I, was fighting to stay awake all the time, you know. I mean, I think I went to sleep for kind of two hours at a time, <laughs> but 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 I did keep coming round and <clears throat> thinking, thinking you got to stay away, you got to stay awake, or else, or else, or else, if you do go to sleep, it'll be the last sleep you that you'll ever make, you know. Um, but. Eventually, I heard the sound of helicopter rotor blades on the wind, and 
and um, the paramedic, this paramedic came down to me, um, Neil Neil Smith, he was called, who, who I still I still hang out with and go climbing with, because um, I live in Tasmania now, um, and and um, he he thought that it was just a simple corpse recovery because he'd seen because of the amount of blood on the ledge and when when he when he saw that I was still alive he, he knew there was you know um no time to lose so he he, he um hooked me to his harness and and we both we both um descended the rope down into this waiting tinny and um and that's not easy on moving water because one minute you're like 20 feet above it and then the next minute you're a foot above and then you're 15 foot above and then you're exactly. yeah 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 so he had to wait for the upsurge and then cut the rope and we both fell into the boat amazing but um and then and and then i spent six weeks it, I was helicoptered to hospital, spent six weeks in Tasmanian hospital, and then before they deemed me um, well enough to get medifact back to Manchester, spent then I spent a year in a year in um, Clatterbridge in Liverpool. Um, and If I could just go through my kind of injuries, maybe that might clear some things up as well. Eh? So I couldn't talk at all for for months and months. Um, I kept fitting, fitting all the time, just like so. I'm still epileptic, but it's controlled with it's controlled with um, anti seizure drugs now. Um, I'm hemiplegic still, so I I am um, I can't use my arm and and uh, got limited use of my leg, my so my um, right side hemi, um, and wow, I was in the early stages. I couldn't tell people's faces apart. I, they they were they were all the same, like like they were wearing masks. Um, facial agnosia, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all I could see really was like two eyes and nose and a mouth. Incredible. And even now, even now after after twenty two years, I still get people. If this looks similar or something, I'll totally get them confused. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and you came back to Lamberis for a while because I remember visiting you in your little house. Um, uh, was that good? Yeah. I can't remember where you were now. It was somewhere near Pete's. <laughs> yeah, yeah like really, really close to Pete's Eats um, so that I could just, and it, well, it was right on the, you know, I was in a wheelchair and so it was in it on just on ground level and so I could, I could, um, just wheel out of my house and go down to Pete's Eats for, for my breakfast and dinner and tea. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, so um, I'm gone. Yeah. No, it'd be nice to, I'm really interested then. So you, then you had a completely different experience of, of learning basically to move, didn't you? From the one you had um, becoming um, a climber. And finding that really easy, and and having this rapid, um, you know, this this you know sort of very quick um, route to becoming incredibly skillful, you then had a very different journey, didn't you? And I'm I'm curious about whether some of the sort of rebellious maverick tenacity, um, deep play instincts of being a climber helped in any way with oh, yeah. with your new journey. Of course they did. Um, I, I, I always, 
I maintain that that climbing, as soon as you step off the rock, as soon as you step off the ground, you've got to be in the moment. So it's a meditation. You, you've totally, you, and day in, day out, it's mind training. So, so you, so, I mean, you know, you know a lot of, a lot of climbers. I mean, quite a lot of them are really, really quite, um, single-minded and and amazing people aren't they um i know there's 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 also there's also a um a few kind of a few and maybe not so much as well but but um if, if you allow yourself to to experience and really soak up what the mountains are that can teach you um it's absolutely incredible i think and 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 so i mean about dedication and but also patience i mean you, determination um and and but oh, ultimately acceptance as well i think i've had i must say i've I've had um the totem pole accident was the third massive accident that i've had right so so i remember you falling off go gas that was one wasn't it yeah and then and then um, so so falling off go gas i i fell 30 meters and then and then I drowned. I went unconscious in a pool wedged upside down um, with broken shoulders. Um, and 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 um, and I and I uh, was underwater for ten minutes. And. And my partner Glenn, he pulled me out, and 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 uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, resuscitated me. Expelled like a whole lung, my whole lungful of lungfuls of water, and and um, and I. All I can remember was being in the being in the. Um, in a garden, a warm garden, and it was like the most pain, perfect, perfect moment of my life. And and then um, once once he woke me up, it was like then the pain started. Your life was painful. Um, anyway, so so that taught me. I think that that teaches you a lot um, how to. <laughs> Hello, darling. <laughs> um, that teaches you. Well, it doesn't just teach you how to, how to, um, how to be determined. I mean, it, but it actually it taught me how to accept that. Ultimately, it told me how to how to accept my my own mortality, and and so and so it um it was it was this really transcendent moment, and that that's kind of ten ten years before the totem pole accident, yeah. Yeah, nearly. No, no, it's seven years. Mm. Seven years. Um, so I, uh, I'd be really um, interested to hear then a little bit about your experiences um, since in um, just 
the stuff that you're doing now, because I know you've done some expeditions and you've climbed, you've done the totem pole again. Um, you did uh, a cycle across the roof of the world. Um, and uh, so it'd be really, I, I'd just be nice to hear kind of how you got back to being out yeah. doing stuff and maybe a little bit of the why, although I think that's threaded through this whole, <laughs> this whole conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think no. What I, what how I tend to work now because my because my brain only works at after speed and stuff. You know, I kind of I if I do one positive thing every day, that's enough. That's enough for me, and that, and that's something that that an OT, an OT just kind of said if just said that to me and and I've just remembered those words and, and that's exactly how I've lived my life for the last 20 years um, and so, so so what that does it slows everything down dramatically and and um, And that just works for me. So, so it might seem like I'm, might seem on social media or something that I'm doing that I'm doing lo- loads of stuff, but really, really, I'm just I'm just um, doing one one big trip every every five years probably, and and um, and. And um, oh, yeah, yeah. I can't think of another thing. <laughs> it was. Do you know? You were just. It was making me think about some of the comments we've had through through this COVID pandemic, and um, you know, and people really appreciating just being able to slow down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, I. It, it, I think that's actually what you're saying is really profound because there are days where I feel very frantic and frenetic and racing around and I probably don't do one really positive thing because <laughs> and, and I, I, think, I think there's probably you know I think that's such a great um such a great way to think about that because we can end up doing too many things but then you know just one one yeah. with that, that has more value to us and, and you know, yeah. and others would probably be a far better way to approach, but we almost get, we're hooked into this treadmill, aren't we? Oh, it's so, it's so intense, the society at the moment, isn't it? Well, oh, it was before this COVID thing and it will, it will, it will return to that, I'm sure. And it's just, it's, it's too intense for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, no. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is for I think it probably is for most people. You yeah. know, looking at general health yeah. and well being and um achievements, you know, we, we can be busy oh. and not achieve great and not and not do a trip every five years. <laughs> so yeah. um yeah, I think I think that's that's incredible. Um uh, Yeah, so but also, it, it it means that I can. I think quite a lot of people don't see don't see a lot of beauty in the world, and I think that I think that by slowing down, you. I'm speaking personally here, I guess, but I, but I, but um, one can see a lot of beauty in the world, whether it be whether it be um. Um, you know uh, the veins on a leaf or whatever you know it's kind of weird. yeah yeah even yeah. the little things yeah sort of rushing rushing past on the phone <laughs> yeah. so I'm mindful of your time and um I know at the beginning we talked a little bit about um 
uh, inclusion and it's it's been a, a pretty you know yeah. a theme actually of some most of the stuff I've done this week but just randomly because we'd yeah. I got in touch with you ages ago so it seems really interesting that, that we're actually doing this at, at the end of a week where I've ended up um in, in various different spaces talking about um inclusion of disability in sports of people who are disabled in, in whatever whatever format within within community sports as well as um elite sports and i know that the documentary rising phoenix has probably shone a light on that and started a conversation to watch sorry i'll have to watch that you will definitely it's really really good so I did it and I did a podcast with Georgia Askew from the Australian Institute of Sport who's doing she's working as a um with the with the Olympic para athletes um and and various other conversations but I think one of the things that um that that almost everyone has said in there is that it shouldn't be separate that sport should be inclusive that you know there are very you know like nobody is the same there isn't a bog standard run-of-the-mill human being anyway um and uh you know and lots of other stuff but there i think the, the the interesting thing that you said was you thought this was a good time for that that it was a, a, a it would be interesting to hear what why you think that and what you think the um it, it would yeah. Be- well, I think you know in the in the um, well we've had, I can't think of the timelines, but we've had we've had we've had women's rights, we and, um, uh, and we've and and um, and gay gay rights and and. And marriage equality lately and, and and all these all these things and but but now it seems is is our time to to shine with with, with um disability rights and 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 so it's a really exciting time to be a to be a person with a disability now i think um obviously still well I was also saying just earlier on about how it's all society seems to just move really slowly and and uh, and so so um there's still a lot a long way to go obviously um and you know in in Australia, for instance, is still disabled people can, or people with disabilities, I should say, can still get um, forcibly sterilised. You know, like it's still, you know, I'm not sure about in in um, in other other countries, and obviously, so it's. It's only a tiny amount, but it doesn't matter that, does it? It's still, it's still, it still seems to be acceptable, you know. Um, um, if if there were, on, can you? Oh no, no, I'm just thinking about what's, you know, from your perspective, what are the things that that you think individuals can do to. Um, help speed this change up in within just their own environment or their own um you know sporting environment club you know i'm thinking about you know obviously wider society but also particularly within activities with it because movement is important i say being in nature is important isn't it being on the rock (laughs) how can i think maybe I've just written a book and it's it's been published next year about 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 um about the transformative effects of of nature and and and, and mountains really um and and so yeah I really think that that getting out in nature would for everybody and and um and just soaking up soaking up kind of the 
the green, the greenery will would would be would be a start, wouldn't it? But also just just treating people like humans and and seeing and seeing that we are we are actually all one. You know, we are, and we're not all separate. Yeah. Yeah, mm. and and hope that, like um, those changes. I guess um, if people see see that, like you say, treat people as just another human being and as an individual. Yeah. I love you do the human book shop, the the human library, don't you? Which is incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. That, you know, maybe that's the important bit because then they will make decisions and be inclusive of their own volition rather than it, you know, having to have legislation to have inclusivity is, is a different way of doing it, isn't it? So, um, I mean, that's important. Yes. It is important of legislation, isn't yeah. it? Yes, it is. Well, that might be where it starts as well, you know, because if, if the government don't have any respect for, for, for people, then, then how can, how can, um, how can the you know the the person in the street be expected to have any respect for for them? Mm. Yes, definitely, and and hopefully as well, just people being able to you know listen to the stories of people like yourself and and the people on Rising Phoenix. I think that was what was so powerful that that yeah. you really um, were invited into the space and the story of these phenomenal individuals who were just. Um, human beings you know and you, yeah. you you connect to them as a human being which was really wonderful uh so yeah, yeah. i definitely i definitely uh would would have, have a watch and let us know what you think <laughs> um so if yeah, you've got anything you'd like to add i'm aware that i'm taking up lots of your time anything anything uh, you would like so we're trying to, i'm certainly um really you know be great to... um, I was just I was just gonna say that when I did finally climb the totem pole in 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 um in 2016 18 years after my after my after my accident on it, you know, it was like, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a big local story. And, um, and, and, um, I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have done it without, without stacks of help. But, and, and, so nine people helped help me carry water and and and, um, and camping equipment and 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 uh, filming equipment, climbing equipment out to the end of Cape Hoy, um, eight kilometres, and and then and then we camped there, and then we I climbed a rope up it, which isn't the normal way that you would climb a piece of rock. You would climb a you would climb it with um with your hands and your feet on the rock. Um, and so I I climbed a rope up the totem pole and that rope was that rope and, and, and my team of people were my support um, just the same as I like to say a, a, a wheelchair ramp is is, is a support for making wheelchair users feel included in society uh, or a pair of reading glasses might make it possible for people many people to to sit an exam or, or read a newspaper and so you know, with support, we're capable. We're, we're not just disabled people. Everybody's capable of some really extraordinary things, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. 
we're, we're human beings. We're, 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 we're like incredibly fortunate and, and amazing machines. <laughs> <laughs> we, we certainly are. Yes. And, um, and like I said, and we're social, you know, so that's, that social support, physical support, um, yeah. creativity and adapting things. And I, and, and, and I think yeah. for me, you know, as, as an able-bodied person, I, I think that, um, you know, really focusing on inclusion of people with disabilities would be profoundly um, great for everybody because because the focus is on that individual yeah, yeah. and on how to support that individual and on being creative and adaptive in helping them achieve and um and many people who are not disabled don't achieve because they don't have the supports and they they're not able to be adaptive yeah so i think it, really. it's for everyone <laughs> you know and it's the same with any inclusion really it lifts everybody up doesn't it yes yes absolutely yeah. absolutely well paul thank you so much for talking to me this morning it's been an absolute pleasure and and please stay in touch it's been wonderful to chat to you twice in a short time <laughs> and i found you on yeah, twitter so if people are listening, I will put some stuff with this, but if you're listening, you can find Paul on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, his books, Totem Pole, Deep Play. Is it just the two of them at the moment? Anna. No, there's, there's four now. Uh, well, four. <laughs> My bad. My latest one's called The Mountain Path, but um, that, that's not published till next year. And your films. Well, I'll pop them at the end. So, um, yes, for somebody who is is um, taking life at a nice pace, you are just phenomenal in what you achieve. So, and thank you so much for taking your time to to talk to me this morning. It's wonderful to see you and to to listen to you. <laughs> Thanks, Marianne. It's lovely to talk to you too. <laughs> thank you. Join us at ukcoaching.org. Whatever you're doing to help people be active and improve, we can help you deliver great coaching experiences at a time to suit you.